Welcome to the CLB Forge podcast, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. This is the show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Welcome to the Forge podcast. This is episode 107, and I'm Dan Stenberg. This week, the Forge will continue to partner with Women's Ministries of the Church of the Lutheran Brethren. The WMCLB has put out their own podcast, Beautifully Woven. You can find it by searching Beautifully Woven wherever you get your podcasts, and you can check out what our women are up to over at wmclb.org. Now, where The Forge puts out content weekly, Beautifully Woven is a limited series podcast intended to meet particular areas of need pertaining to women's ministries. This first series deals with their new vision and value statements, but there will be other series coming in the future from our ladies, so be sure to check those out. Here at The Forge, we feel it is important to support the work that our women are doing over at WMCLB. And so, we are going to be putting their podcasts over our airwaves. Guys, yes, this is a podcast made for ladies, with ladies in mind. But I personally have gotten a lot out of each episode, and I hope you will tune in. We trust that you'll be encouraged, edified, and get excited with us as we listen in to what the fantastic women of our denomination are up to. That said... Here is Beautifully Woven, Vision and Values Limited Series Podcast, Episode 3, Together in Life, with Amy Burke and Karen Stenberg. Welcome to Beautifully Woven, a WMCLB podcast. God faithfully weaves an intricate tapestry as he forms our beautiful, messy stories. We pray, as you join us today, you will feel encouraged, valued, and less alone as we share in life and ministry together. Welcome to our WMCLB podcast. We're doing another episode on the Women Together four-part series, and today I have Amy here with me, and we're going to be talking about Together in Life. Amy, do you just want to tell us just a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Amy Burke. I... Uh, I just turned 50 years old, and I have been married to Kevin for just about 28 years, and we have five kids. Our oldest two kids right now are at the seminary in Fergus Falls, both with plans to do some mission work. And we have our middle daughter in college and our two youngest kids are junior and senior in high school this year. And so we're kind of entering the less busy stage of life. We, we aren't as crazy as it was and our house is really quiet most of the time now, cause we, we we're down to two kids most of the time in our house and a couple of dogs. So it, it's kind of quiet most of the time. And, um, and it's nice, but, but sometimes probably I, a little weird from your, your old norm. Yeah. And then, you know, then everybody will come home at the holidays or for the summer and Kevin and I will look at each other and be like, it's really loud in here. What has happened? <laughs> and then they leave and we're like, Oh, it's so quiet now. What up? You know, you, you, you get used to everything and, and there's always, there's good things about every stage of life. Um, and what, what we're really having fun with now is watching our oldest kids kind of find God's path for them and watching them step out in faith and obedience when it's not always easy or convenient has been just one of the best things that we have seen as parents. It's just what you want for your kids, right? You want them to grow up to be independent, self-sufficient contributors to society, but mostly we wanted our kids to be 
people who followed God with all of their hearts. And um, to see them do that is just incredible for us. So we're really excited to see what they're all going to do. Yeah, um, that's awesome. <laughs> it's really cool. It's really amazing. Um, yeah. I grew up in the church in East Heartland in Connecticut. And so my grandparents were some of the founders of Bethany in East Heartland and my parents grew up here also. So I've grown up in the church. I've like, I was at the church as often as I was at home. I felt like when I was a kid and that's kind of how we raised our kids. We wanted them to grow up serving with us and beside us and to just be as comfortable at church as they are at home. And I think that that's, we're seeing some of the fruit of that now it's, and, and that's something that I think is a really important thing. Yeah, that's great. It's gotta be fun to see them, um, to see their passions come out or like they're like making it their own and pursuing because you wonder what your kids are going to be excited about or into as adults. And so I am not there yet, but that's, that's gotta be really fun. (laughs) It is really fun. And to see, you know, like as their mom, you, you knew their personalities when they were babies, right. You knew like this one's goofy or that one is, has a temper or, or this one is very serious or takes themselves very seriously. And to see how God uses all of those character traits as they grow and mature. And now to see them using those same character traits as strengths in their walk with him is just really incredible to see. Wow. It's really fun. Wow. That's so fun. So we've been talking about together in life a little bit, and I know that your relationships you formed with women in the church have been important to you uh, in your different stages of life. So what do you feel like has made them so important? Well, I think my first relationships with women obviously were with my mom and my grandmothers, and they, uh, I was lucky to have both of my grandmothers live within, I think, a mile of where I grew up. And so my mom and my grandmothers and my aunts uh, all played a huge role in my development from a child. My grandmothers, you know, always were available to read stories or, you know, be amazed when I learned a new song on the piano or teach me how to bake cookies or to knit or just take me with them as they cared for people. And my aunt and uncle, when I was, I think, 12 or 13, recognized that I loved children and, and kind of said, well, you know, let's use that and got me to teach Sunday school. And Mm -hmm. that was my first taste of teaching, which is what I do for a living. And Mm -hmm. it's just, I think important for us to recognize that God puts those people in our lives on purpose. But in our church, when I was in high school, we had a really great system. It was called the young people's group. And and it was, it was sort of an organic thing. I don't think that anybody sat down and said, this is how it's going to work. But the older teens and young twenties, like what we would call college and career probably now just kind of sucked in the younger teens. So as soon as I was able to go to the high school youth group, there were some older girls who had their licenses who were involved in things at the church and they'd be like, Oh, Hey, I'm going grocery shopping to get stuff for, 
the Sunday school program or, you know, some materials for crafts for the youth group. Do you want to come with me? And I just kind of got pulled along. And I think that sort of natural friendship and mentoring system made a big difference for me. I, I am a person who is, I'm happy to be around other people, but I'm also super happy to stay home with some books mm. and my pajamas. So <laughs> I would have been really happy to just stay home and read books. And I wouldn't have been you know, upset or disappointed or felt left out at all. But because these people were there and in place, I got drawn into that. And that became a really important part of my life as a young adult. And that's what we're actually seeing some of that happen now again at Bethany. It kind of goes in waves depending on the people and, you know, the population, but it's, I'm seeing that happen with my youngest boys right now. And it's just so much fun to see the older kids being like, Hey, come on, we're going, we're going to Chipotle. And they all pile in a car and you're like, yeah, that's great. They're all together and they're encouraging each other. And holding each other accountable. And that's the kind of thing that I think it's a biblical thing. I think Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's what we want. And when I became a young mother and I was having babies after babies after babies, and we had, you know, we had some tough things in our family and we had some medical issues that happened. I honestly wouldn't have survived if, if I hadn't been part of the women's Bible study at our church. And that was also a pretty unique group. I always feel like God, God provides exactly what you need at that time. And, and sometimes you don't know it until you look back and and you're like, oh my goodness, he really took care of me right there. But that Bible study was for me, like that was the bread that I got during the week at church on Sunday. When you have a bunch of little kids, you're just playing whack-a-mole in church, right? You're just like, sit still. You're handing out this Cheerios and you're shushing people and just praying that the hour goes quickly so that you can go home and the kids can make noise again. And I didn't get a whole lot out of the sermons or the worship because I was so busy being the mom holding everybody together. But yeah. on Wednesday mornings, the oldest ladies in the church, my grandmother's age women ran the nursery. And so they'd be sitting down there just waiting for the babies to come And I got to sit with women from my age to like 80 studying God's word. And I was encouraged and I was prayed for. And I would get notes in the mail telling me that I was doing a good job and that they prayed for my kids today. And it just, it it really did get me through and it made a huge difference to my spiritual walk to have that in my life. It's so beautiful to hear like how your church has really encouraged the discipleship relationships just naturally. Mm-hmm. That it's just, it's not uh, that the kids, that your older kids are already investing into the, to the younger kids. And then, and then that's pouring into the next generations as you're seeing the the mm-hmm. um, older women invest into the younger women and just kind of assessing like because I think there's certain stages of life that you go through where you're like I'm just empty like I just mm-hmm. I need I don't even know what I need I just feel empty and mm-hmm. to have somebody who's like I've been there and 
I'm going to invest in you. And to just think like of tangible ways, like those older ladies watching the babies. So you can mm-hmm. just be present at that study instead of, um, cause I think on Sunday mornings, when you go with church with little kids, sometimes you feel like you're grabbing crumbs. You're just like, okay, I'm just going to get what I can from the sermon today or from the worship. And, and it's just, Um, it can be really good. You can get some really good things, but you can also feel like, why did I, why do I, why am I going to church right now? Because I'm just, um, like I'm, I'm hurting cats and (laughs) And I mean, I think there were times when I, I would assess on Sunday mornings and be like, is it worth missing two kids naps to go to church today? Yeah. I don't know. I, is it going to, it's going to wreck the whole rest of the day. I don't know. It, <laughs> it, it's really, I mean, it's a hard, there are hard stages. Yeah. But I think it's cool to think about. So while that was like really taxing that there was another place you could get investment mm-hmm. in because now you've brought your kids to church and you're talking about how they're excited about church. And so I think that like, just that it is important. At least that's what I've come down on as a mom mm-hmm. that it, at the end of the day, even though it may not feel like it every Sunday when I'm going and I'm like, I don't know if any, like if me and the kids are getting anything, mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, it's like a habit and we are getting things, even if we're not realizing, um, yeah. that we are, that we are, uh, growing spiritually from that. Yeah. And I think, I think I, I, I don't know. I have a memory when I was, a in high school, I worked at Tuscarora. I didn't work at like, I wasn't on staff, but I volunteered at Tuscarora to do some childcare stuff. And I think I was gone for almost a month. So I missed like four Sundays in a row. And, you know, there's nothing better than Tuscarora when you're a teenager, like for real, that it was like one of the best months of my teenage years, I think. But I have a distinct memory of coming home and having to go to the church for something. And I, I drove myself to the church and I walked into the back doors of the sanctuary and I like literally was brought to tears. Like, wow, I'm home now. Mm-hmm. Like this is for me. It, it's just such a part of me and such a part of my life that I didn't even know that I missed it until I came back. Mm. And I, I, I've seen that in my oldest daughter who has lived in several, she's lived all over the world at this point. And when she could come home and come into church, like you can, I can see that same on her face. Like this is, this is part of me. And I think just be, we built that by showing up Mm -hmm. by being there every Sunday. And so it was worth missing naps for, I guess is what I'm saying. It was worth having some rough Sundays yeah. because of that, you know, yeah. and you don't think of that when you're in the day. I mean, there were a lot of days when I was like, I am not waking anybody up today. That's what I have to say. There's no way, but it's worth it. It is worth it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really cool because sometimes I think we have these pictures of what we expect of yeah. how God's going to going to minister to us. We're like, all right, I I'm, I'm want to be ministered to in really connecting with the worship and really feeling like I'm just surrendering to the Lord or however that looks mm-hmm. like, or I really want to 
glean from the sermon and have it apply and um, just really have it speak to me that week. And, and, and all those things can happen, but I think there's like so many different ways that, that God ministers to us that we don't even realize mm-hmm. are that. And I think that's like exactly talking about too, is like, you don't even realize that that had become home to you or now home yeah. to your kids, that it was a, that it was a place that, that God was um, ministering to them in just another way that you just don't even picture in the beginning, which is really cool. And I, and I think too, like I, I, what, as I was thinking through this, because you gave me these questions ahead of time uh, <laughs> and I was thinking about this, I, I, I thought, you know, there, there would be a time if you had asked me in the middle of those years, when I had a lot of kids at home and we were running ragged, and then I went back to work and started teaching full time. And then, then I started, I went back to grad school. So I had all these kids in school and I was working and doing grad school all at the same time, which is just really crazy. Don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) But like, I, I felt like I was kind of in the desert in my spiritual life. Mm -hmm. I was going through the motions. I was, you know, I was reading the Bible when I could, I was going to church, but I wasn't involved in ministry as much. I, cause I had always done children's ministry, but then when I started teaching at school, I was like, I have, I've had enough of kids all day. I can't do both. And even when my kids were young, like when I was going to church, I was thinking of it from my perspective. Like I need to go to church so I can get something out of it. Like, what am I getting from the sermon? I'm getting nothing from the sermon most of the time. Right. But my purpose then wasn't maybe to get all of the knowledge and the wisdom from the sermon, but my purpose was to shepherd my children. Mm in that, you know, and, and so what I'm learning in a new stage of life, which is really exciting to get to a new stage of life and to have like realizations, like, wow, this is so cool that in every stage of life, I think God has a different purpose for us. Just like in stages of life with kids, like first they have to learn to crawl and then they walk and then you have to potty train them. And then you have to teach them how to drive. Like everybody, yeah. they all, there's different, that's, that's I'm not scared for that. I'm, I'm scared. Yeah, that's, I'd rather do potty <laughs> training, frankly, but like every stage has a purpose, right. In, in, yeah. in a developmental stage. And that's what we're like too. I think in every stage of our lives as parents or as adults or as believers, God has a different purpose for us in, in those different stages. And He's, he's there waiting to teach us what we need. And he's there waiting for us to say, all right, okay, I'm ready. Hmm. I'm ready for the next step. And then when you say yes to that, then things get really exciting and Hmm. you start learning more and more things open up and you see God working in ways that you would never have expected. It's very exciting. So we can have a lot of I think a lot of us have a lot of friendships in church, uh, but often like they can stay on a surface level. And how do you think we build those, those deeper, more authentic relationships? It That's hard. It's hard in our, I think in our culture right now, because our culture, well, and, and so our culture pre COVID was hard, but our culture post COVID is even harder, right? Because now we're all more insulated and more self-involved than we were 
even before COVID, we're just busy and distracted and it's just easier to like bounce off of each other and be like, oh, hi, how are you? And then bounce away than to have actual meaningful relationships. So for example, in our church, um, my friend and I started a meal ministry. And so it's super easy for me because I have virtually no connections with other people in this ministry, except for my friend that we cook with. We go to the kitchen, we cook all these meals, and then some other people come and deliver them and they make all the connections with all the other people. It's super easy to do that, to drop the, or even to like have somebody that you know is sick or having a baby and you just drop off a meal and you're like, there you go. I'm praying for you. Have a great night. But to really be involved with other people takes work. It means that we have to accept that we're going to be inconvenienced Mm -hmm. and it means that we have to give up the excuses that we have of oh my kids have a baseball game or I have to go take somebody to the doctor or something like that and so recently I've been trying to plan specifically to build in time to make connections with people so like Mm -hmm. my kids my own personal kids they have made fun of me for years because when church is over on Sunday, I'm like, see you later. I'm out the door. And I'm like out that door so fast. <laughs> I'm home. <laughs> and they're like, you are so antisocial. You don't even, and I, and it's true that I just want to go home. Like I, I like to be home. I like to, and I, and you know, we have a nice dinner after church on Sundays. And so that's my excuse. So I want to get home and I've got dinner to cook and then yeah. everybody's going to come and eat. And sure. I have recently started saying, okay, we're not going to eat until 1.30 mm-hmm. instead of at 12.30. So giving myself purposeful time to make connections with people at church and to have Bible studies together and to just recognize that even though it's uncomfortable for me to go up to somebody, it makes a big difference Yeah, to be able to just, instead of just saying, oh, hi, how are you? To sit, sit down next to somebody in a pew and have a conversation and follow up Mm -hmm. afterwards and make yourself a little bit vulnerable. I I know for me, that's the hardest part I think is to like say, yeah, I'm really struggling with this. Could you pray for me? And let's have these conversations. We started a a ladies Bible study here, um, I guess in December. And this is one of the things that we've been talking a lot about is you know, we, we can have Bible study where we come together and we read and we're like, yep, this is what God means. This is what the Bible says. Or we can have a Bible study where we come and we read God's word and we really share with each other and we really dig in and we really become authentically connected. And those things take time and they take work and they take trust, but it's worth it because yeah. then God can work. So I guess a couple things that I just I'm hearing as I'm hearing you talk is is just to note that like it does kind of put us out when we decide to invest in those. So like moving your lunch from twelve thirty to one thirty. It's like I'm hungry after church. And so and I know my kids are hungry or like, you know, your husband whatever. Um and so to to realize that as you're gonna take time that it it may be a little inconvenient. But do you feel like maybe it was pretty inconvenient first. Do you feel like it's been easier as you've made it more of a habit or? Yeah. Yeah, really it has. I think in 
like in the beginning when I first started saying, okay, we're not, well, I mean, we only have two kids home now too. So it's not as stressful for me to be like, we have to go home and everybody has to eat on time. And, you know, we're, we're stuck to a schedule so much. And for, I think the boys are pretty happy when I don't make dinner right after church. Now they're, they're like, hey, we can talk to our friends. But in fact, I have like, my whole attitude has changed towards it mm. in spite of myself, because I still really like cherish Sunday afternoons at home with my family and the quiet. And we try as much as we can. We always have tried as much as we can to not plan things on Sundays because that's our day to be home and to be with each other. But I'm like, I'm looking around at the beginning of church to see, Oh, who's here. Oh, there's that. I, there's that. I talked to her at at the church dinner last week and I wanted to ask her a question or, you know, I wanted to follow up with somebody and I find myself not even rushing to like pick up my purse or Mm -hmm. pack up my music to get out of the sanctuary really fast. I'm, I'm finding that I enjoy it a lot more and I'm looking forward to it. I used to literally hate the coffee hour snack stuff that they had after this, this service. I really hated that. Because my kids would always want to eat the cookies and we were going home to eat dinner. Yeah. <laughs> so, Come on. And, and then people wanted to talk to me and I didn't really want to talk to anybody, but now it's like, it really is one of my favorite parts of the week. Mm-hmm. It's just fun. And, and it's fun to make those connections and to see people that I don't see. I mean, I go to church with a lot of people in my family that I only see in church. So it's mm-hmm. really fun to connect with people other than, you know, friends and, and church family. It's just part of, it's part of the way God is growing me right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. And and I appreciate you just sharing that it wasn't easy or what you wanted to do at first, but then that God's grown that into something yeah. that, that you're also enjoying more now. And then you were talking about your women's Bible study and how it takes time to get to more of those deeper conversations, how it can be really easy to just on a surface level, look at God's word and then um, just leave it at that. But it's more intentional to, to talk about what that actually looks like in our everyday lives or what people are going through. And I think that that can be scary. Why do you think it's scary for us to get there in our, in our group? I don't know. I feel like for our, when our group started, like I know everybody in our group, I've known them, most of them I've known for at least five years. Some of them I've known for their entire lives. And the first couple, we were, we started with an Advent study. So it wasn't like rocket science Bible work, right? We're doing the Advent study and I'd say, okay, well, let's read this. And everybody would kind of sit there and was like, come on, somebody read it. And I'm a teacher. I am really good at wait time. So I was like, we can sit here or somebody can read it and somebody (laughs) would read it finally. And then it was like, I remember the first couple of weeks when they left my husband, my husband is is relegated to the basement during Bible study. Yeah. So he come, he would come up and he'd be like, how'd it go? And I was like, it was really rough, man. Like nobody <laughs> was talking. I, I I mean, it was really hard. And then eventually I, I think I finally confessed like this is you guys, this isn't going to work unless we all help talk because I, you know, I'm not like a pastor. I'm not a Bible teacher. I'm just me. And we have to do this together. And then people would start saying more stuff 
And depending on the group, some people would say things, but what really made the difference was when one woman one day came in and sat down and said, I have had the worst day ever. And I need you guys to pray for me. And we just stopped and prayed. Mm. And that's what made that. That's what I think the first step was. The first step was the somebody being brave enough to, to be vulnerable and honest and be like, I know what this Bible says. I know what we're, we're here. We're here because we're going to be reading this verse, but I just need you guys right now. And that, I think that's the key in a Bible study is, is feeling safe enough to do that. And I don't think no matter, no matter who you are or how long you've known each other until you've been together for a while, studying God's word together and praying together, even if it's sort of cursory prayers until you have that time in Mm -hmm. that, that relationship and that trust has to be built. But then when it does, then things get, it, it goes pretty quickly. We, I mean, pretty, pretty quickly after that, I think maybe that next week we had somebody started a group text and now like it's normal to get a text. My kids are sick. Can you pray for my kids? Um, mm. I had a car accident. Can you pray for this? Or I'm just really struggling today. Can you pray for me? Um, and those kinds of things, we just, I, I feel like we're connected throughout the week now, not just on our Monday night studies. And then that makes us look for each other in church on Sundays. You know what I mean? And that, that's also a key for me too. I'm really uncomfortable just going up to somebody by myself cold, but if I've got my friend with me and Mm. I'm like, Oh, that girl, let's, we could let, I wanted to talk to her and she's like, Oh, I'll go with you. Then it's, it's, it's not so bad. Yeah. Right. So you, you know, dragging your friends with you, like, being like you're going to the bathroom and you're 12. (laughs) And you're like, and and it's okay because you're just admitting, you know, like I'm still insecure and uh, just jumping into this. And so come on with me. I'm just going to admit that this makes me uncomfortable and feel better together. And that's, that's so cool to just be able to do that together. And I think like with um, small groups and whatnot, to get to that authenticity piece, um, you mentioned that gal that shared Um, what she's really struggling with. And I think that that's so key to have somebody that's willing to go first to say, Mm -hmm. you know, I know that we haven't jumped into here yet, so I'm not sure how I'm going to be received, but I'm going to go first and I'm going to say I've had a really bad day or week or Mm -hmm. year because I'm just really struggling with, with this in my life. And I think that we can all relate to that. We can all relate to those times in our lives, those days in our lives. And so to have somebody say to go first, then it's not so scary to be the next one uh, or the next one after that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think even the people that are the most closed off, as more and more people share, they will even start coming out of their shell eventually too with that atmosphere. Yeah. And I think, I think another thing that has helped in our group, I mean, we we're we're there's, I think there's like 10 or 12 of us total, if everybody showed up at the same time, but we usually have maybe seven or eight people on a, on a regular basis, but there have been a couple of times when there's only been like three or four of us. Mm-hmm. 
And I think the first time there were only three of us, we kind of sat there talking and we're, I was, and then people were texting, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. And I was like, well, you guys, I think it's just us. And we kind of just looked at each other and we said, let's just pray tonight. Hmm. And so we prayed for the whole time we were there and it was, and we prayed for everybody who wasn't there. And we prayed for everything that we knew was going on that, I mean, people weren't there because they had like, it was, it seemed like they were being prevented from coming that night. And so we were like, we just need to pray. And I think that that also kind of helped Mm. with our, cause when we came back together the next week, we were like, yeah, well, we just prayed last week. We didn't move on in the study because there was only three of us. And and then there were people like, I needed that prayer and Mm. I needed that. And I think to pray together builds the authenticity too. It builds because you're not, you're vulnerable when you're praying and you're, you're bringing your fears and your truths to God. And, and you're doing it. If you're doing it corporately, you're doing it with people. You have to feel like you trust those people and you, and you have to know that they are praying the same along with you. And that makes a huge difference in, in building the relationships, I think. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, that's a big deal of why it's important to do life together is so that you can be in those spots where you're like, oh, like this person needs prayer. Let's, let's pray because it's not, it's not just a ritual. We all feel it when others are are praying and it, and it does mean a lot to know that you're that woman that's having a hard time that the group just stopped and they just prayed for you mm-hmm. and, uh, that's that's meant so much to me in in our journey when we've had hard times especially when we've dealt with loss and whatnot I mean there's just something about prayer and when people started praying for us that is when we have really felt God's peace surround mm-hmm. us it's like I literally can tell you I have I feel your prayers I feel God at work in this it's not mm-hmm. just for not God is using this and it just, it means so much. And so then when you're, you're intentionally forming these relationships and sharing these things with each other and then catching up at church on Sunday to be like, how did that interview go? Or how is your dad doing? It just, again, builds that rubbing shoulders and doing life together. Mm -hmm. And so you don't feel alone and it does have opportunity to pray for each other, which is this is a really beautiful thing. We had in our, the, our, our pastor that was here before our pastor. Now he moved his mom to East Heartland when his dad died. So she was an old Norwegian lady and mm-hmm. she was just, she was a very special lady, but I think it was before she actually moved here when we were having our oldest son was diagnosed with diabetes and I was 10 months, nine months pregnant with <laughs> with our fourth kid. And then, you know, it just seemed like, like there were lots of things that happened, lots of health issues, particularly with one kid. And I I remember her coming up to me in church one day and I, you know, I knew her, but I didn't, she wasn't my grandmother. I didn't really know her. I knew her to say hello. And, you know, I knew she was the pastor's mother and she came up to me one day and just gave me a hug and said, God put you on my heart this week and I've been praying for you every day. And she didn't know that that week we had like doctor's appointments every day because, 
he had to have all these tests done mm-hmm. to find out why his hearing was gone in one of his ears. And it was so stressful. And we, the doctors were like, I was pregnant at that point. I was pregnant with the third kid. And the doctors were like, well, it could be genetic. You have to have your older daughter tested. You should have the baby tested that you're pregnant with. We don't know why, you know, your kids could all be deaf. Mm-hmm. And she didn't know any of that was happening, but she came up to visit for the weekend and just said, you know, God, God put you on my heart and I've been praying for you. And I was just like, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, how, how could you do that? How could you know? Well, you know, only I- God could know. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of people praying, but she was the one that came up to me and said, I've been praying mm-hmm. and it just makes such a difference. But I remember thinking, yeah. I, that's who I want to be when I grow up. Mm-hmm. I want to be her. I want to <laughs> be the lady who tells the younger stressed out moms that she's been praying for them. <laughs> that's what I want to be because I needed that so much. Yeah. That's so beautiful. So we've been talking a lot about some of the really cool, healthy things that come out of these intentional relationships at church. And I think uh, another thing that happens when you're having relationships with people is they're people and we're human and we, we sin and sometimes things get messy. And I guess how can how do things get messy sometimes and and uh, how do we deal with those in a healthy way cuz they're just being honest that we're going to hurt each other and how do we how do we deal with that when we feel like oh we were vulnerable and this person hurt me how do we deal i think well i mean first of all i think it's good to have perspective and to 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 look at people's intentions. I think very few people, very few people set out on purpose to hurt somebody. Mm. I don't think that I, I think, I really don't think that people intend to do that. And, and I work with kids who are like the, they, they live in their basest emotions, right? Yeah. <laughs> there are very few that I know that on purpose set out to irritate people all day long. There are a lot of them that do it very well. <laughs> but yeah. one of the questions that I, that we say in, in my school a lot is what is the function of this behavior? What, what purpose is it serving? If a kid is constantly getting in trouble in my classroom, then I have to step back and look at what I'm doing and say, why is this kid so uncomfortable in my room that he is continually, you know, calling out or dropping his books or getting up to go to the bathroom. What what's going on in here that is making him so uncomfortable? And I think that that perspective is something that we should have in mind when we're trying to deal with other Christians. We have to be willing to offer grace, right? If I expect people to give me grace, then I have to be willing to extend it. And I think a big part of that begins with looking at the function of the behavior. What why are people lashing out well maybe i did something first maybe they are you know their perception i don't know what's going on in their life right now but the smartest thing that i can do is to try to figure out what is happening because they probably need help more than they need criticism or anger Mm -hmm. so it's almost like 
just stopping for a minute and then mm-hmm. backing pull because our emotions want to take over when we've been hurt or we're angry yeah. and so it's like I'm just gonna stop and back up and try to look at the bigger picture of what's going on yeah and also like I, I've learned a lot I think I've I've learned a lot about this from being a middle school classroom teacher because emotions are super high in 12 year olds right like it's exciting it's an exciting time of life <laughs> yeah but you have to have a, a little bit of a thick skin mm-hmm. right i mean you're a pastor's wife you better have some thick skin yeah. right people are yeah. looking at you you live in a fishbowl <laughs> you know, they're looking at your pew on sundays you have yeah. to have a little bit of a thick skin and just accept that part of that goes with the territory right yeah but you have to also kind of just kind of go into it knowing that it's not a personal thing. Like if a kid is, is misbehaving in my classroom, they're not doing it on purpose most of the time just to make me mad. I mean, there is an occasional kid who will just try to make you mad, but they're not, they're not doing it on purpose just to make you mad. And if it, if I allow it to get my emotions up super high, then I'm jumping into the mud with them and no good can come out of that. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to maintain emotional control. It's one thing that I've learned from being a teacher is that don't get in the mud. Mm-hmm. Don't get in the mud with kids. Don't get in the mud with parents. Just try to understand the why behind the behavior and extend as much grace as you can because mm-hmm. everybody is fighting some kind of a battle and you don't know what what that battle is there are a lot of cliches like you would you catch more bees with honey than vinegar but they're they're cliches because they're true right and sometimes you do have to stand up and say hard things Mm -hmm. but I have on my desk at school I have two little I like quotes I teach English so I have a lot of quotes but I have two on my desk and one of them is a paraphrase from James that says quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And sometimes people will come in and, and look and I'll, and if kids are getting mad, I'll just kind of spin it around and be like, here, take a look at this. Let's, (laughs) let's remember, listen first. And the other one is an Amy Carmichael quote that says, uh, I never get it quite right, but if, if uh, a cup brim full of sweetness can't, spill even one drop of bitter water no matter how suddenly jolted Hmm. that one's like right in front of my face every Mm -hmm. day because i need to remember that i need to be filled with the holy spirit and god because that's the only way that i can extend grace yeah yeah i mean sometimes you speak the truth sometimes you have to say hard things Mm -hmm. i think one of the things that is hard is that sometimes i know someone's upset with me and I don't know why. <laughs> they just start sensing some tension. And I found that some of the best ways to deal with that is to be like, can we just grab a cup of coffee? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I And I can be, I don't like conflict. It can be scary to be like, yeah. okay, I, I just, I don't know what's going to come out of this. And I don't, sometimes like, I don't want to know what I've done because I'm going to be embarrassed about what I said or something I did because a lot of times I'm like, I did not mean to do that to you. And so even if you're like, I, they're not, they haven't come to me, 
But like to just say, I feel like there's some tension here regarding this. Am I reading into that? Is there something that is bothering you? Like, how is it going? And, and I feel like coming to them with questions in that way really, um, has diffused situation uh, situations that could have been hard when they brought out like oh this is this is what happened i felt that things were going a certain way to make their voice heard um mm-hmm. and to then also give me a chance to say you know i'm sorry i didn't realize that it came across that way um or that that when i did this that that made you feel that way because we all have lenses that we see situations through based on how we grew up or what we're dealing with now. Sometimes like when I had on the grief lens, when I lost my, when I had my stillbirth, um, people say stuff that would not hurt me now, but it hurt me then because I had my grief lens on. And I think that um, just also realizing that other people have their lenses on too. And so to just be honest and come to each other with with questions and just our listening ears and to realize, you know, it's really humbling to do those things. It's not easy, but you're right. When you're filled with the spirit and when you're prayed about it, like that's the way, that's the only way we can do it. And and Christ did it first. Christ humbled himself first. Mm-hmm. He never did anything wrong, but he, <laughs> he still He's gave still us that example himself. of humbling mm-hmm. himself. And yeah, I think just grace for each other and sometimes you just realize that there are certain people in your life that you're like you know what we're probably not gonna be super close <laughs> and you know you don't have to be best friends with everybody either um and so I think uh realizing like you know I want to be on good terms with this person but yeah I just am recognizing that that it can be difficult sometimes yeah, in in our Bible study, we were we've been recently talking about like unity in the church, mm-hmm. and and um, and we we just started Ephesians, and Paul is talking about how that's one of the goals for the church is to to be in unity together, the unity in Christ. And I I think that sometimes maybe we think that unity means that we're all like with our arms linked together, walking in a straight line, in the same direction. But I don't think that's true. I think that unity means we have the same father and we have the same ultimate goals and we're all different parts of the body. So we all have different functions in the body and not everybody's going to do the same thing and not everybody's going to see every issue the same way. Yeah. But as long as we are on the same side, you know, as long as we're still under God in Christ then, then we will have unity. And, and I, I, I think it's, I think it's so important to, to realize that we don't have to be best friends with everybody. And I think for a lot of people, that's a big relief because some of us are, are better with just a few really good friends. Um, and some people don't even want that, but they still need to be part of the body, right? We all have our function. And I think it's important for all of us to make sure that all of the parts of the body are in unity so that yeah. we're working together. Confrontation, like for me, that's the the heart. Not with my kids, I'm good at it with them. But 
even with my husband, like, I just don't like it. I don't, mm -hmm. I will do just about anything to avoid it. But what I've learned is to, to ask the question, to start by saying, I feel like maybe I did something wrong and I want to make it right. And that often will diffuse the tension, some grace and humility, I think. Yeah. That's the example of Jesus. Yeah. And for some situations that are difficult or not being resolved quickly, again, I think it goes back to prayer. As we we're talking about earlier, you know, prayer can really soften people's hearts or big sticky issues mm -hmm. or or change your heart that's what usually happens yeah. to me <laughs> that's, usually, that's when I start true. usually when i start <laughs> praying about something i'm like oh this ha you have to change this person and then eventually i'm like okay you're right yeah you're like I'm, shoot that was yeah. me you're like i i'm gonna pray for this person i'm frustrated with and then yeah and then you're like oh, i'm changing <laughs> yeah yeah I, this yeah. is not what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> no. Come on, God, help me out. But, but that's usually the way it happens. Actually, yeah. I, my grandfather taught me that. I had a friend at church that I was very frustrated with at some point in my young, like late, maybe late teens. And I went to my grandfather and I was telling him about it. And he was like, here's what I want you to do, honey. I want you to pray about this person every day for the next two weeks. And I was like, fine, I'll pray. I'll do it. And then I went back to him and he was like, I was like, why would you make me do that? This is now I have to go talk to that person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. No. Uh, but it's it's not easy, but it's it, it's not easy. It's not always comfortable. It's not always fun, but it is always worth it. Yeah. It always grows us, right? Right. And a lot of times it can grow you and that person closer together when you have that conflict or whatever is happening and you're yeah and even if it. and even if it doesn't turn you into best friends yeah there's sort of an alliance mm -hmm. right like there's sort of like a a lovely truce or agreement and it, the relationship is better for it yeah even if it's not a super close relationship all right we'll have one last thing i know we're we're going along here but um I just wanted to talk for a second. We've, we have been talking, we touched on this a little bit when you're talking about uh, your your grandma and your mother mm -hmm. and, and those relationships. So generational relationships often come naturally with our families, with our grandmothers and grandchildren, mothers and daughters. And I know this isn't the case with everybody's family because things are not perfect, but we do kind of generally as a society have this understanding of what the multi-generational community looks like within a family. But I think that this can be a struggle when it comes to our church family to have those cross-generational relationships. And so how do you think those um, can be encouraged? And I know you've talked a little bit already about um, some of those benefits, but yeah, how do you think they can be encouraged and what are the benefits of having uh, multi-generational relationships? Well, we learn so much from each other. I mean, I think I learned so much from my mom and my grandmothers and my aunts, but I, I think of even... Um, there's this one special older lady at our church and I, I play the organ at the church. And so when you come in to our church, like from the, like the main entrance, 
you walk right behind the organ. And so I'd be playing like preludes and she would without fail for the almost three years that my daughter was in Costa Rica, every Sunday that I was playing the organ, she would stop behind me while, while I was playing and put her hand on my shoulder and say, how's our girl? <laughs> and I'd be like, she's good playing the organ. And she's like, uh, and she's, and she would just stand there and say, you know, what's she doing this week? And I could give one word answers because I was playing the organ. And then she would hug my shoulders from behind and she'd say, I'm praying for her and I'm praying for you. And just the, that connection to know, like, so she had no connection to my family. She's not related to me. She just is a lady in the church who watched me grow up and then watched Ellie grow up and now is sharing her gift of love with us just freely sharing it. I mean, I just looked forward to that every Sunday. And, you know, my friends would be like, I, you got your hug this morning. I'm like, yes, I did. I sure did. <laughs> and, you know, those kinds of things are just encouraging. So I think for, for older women, and I'm, I'm like one of the older women now, cause I'm 50. So that ca- counts, right? We should be looking for opportunities to encourage the younger women. Like, you know, I see some younger women coming in, holding their babies and I know they've been up all night and they're just exhausted. And, you know, just to say, Hey, let me hold that baby for a little while. Or how about if I drop off some dinner for you this week, one day or something, you know, just to on purpose, make those connections with each other, I think is important. It's important for us to be encouraging and not discouraging, like if the babies are crying in church, those moms, they're they're they feel like their baby is crying into a megaphone, right? Like mm-hmm. give them some grace and encouragement. Like we don't mind. We like that. We want mm-hmm. them here. That that's important to make them feel like they're they're on the right track, that they're they're doing the right thing. And I think we need to search out sometimes I think maybe the younger women who are just so caught up in the busyness of life and taking care of kids. Maybe you need, maybe you need to search somebody out and say, I need someone in my life to be a mentor or to just be an aunt to my kids or, you know, something like that. Um, that's happened to me a couple of times and I have, now I have, I have more kids. I have five of my own and I have a few extras that, that live in my heart because, they reached out to me, not because I was super outgoing and, you know, searched them out, but because they came to me and said, I just need a mom right now. I don't have a mom here. Can you help me? And that was not something I was looking for. It wasn't something I planned on, but it was something that God intended and Mm. made beautiful relationships. And I, so I think we need to, we need to look for those opportunities, but I think as the church, and I think particularly as women's ministries, we have a unique opportunity to, to draw women of different generations together. We had our first post COVID women's ministries event a couple weeks ago. And I I mean, I had no idea how many people were going to come. I thought we'd be lucky if we got the 10 people that come to my Bible study. And we were the ones that planned it. And I was like, well, it could be us. We could, and we had, there were like 40 people there and there were moms with tiny babies and grandmas. And we, with the program that we planned was called share your story. And so 
we shared like a super simple method of telling how God has worked in your life and being always being prepared to give an answer for the hope that is within you. And so we practiced that at our tables. And so the women got to talk to the other women that were sitting with them. And of course, most people sat with people that they knew and, you know, there was a generational gap in the tables, but there were some, there was some mix up too. And when just listening to the conversations and watching the delight on women's faces, as they heard stories from people that they hadn't heard before Mm. was a powerful thing. So I think that's one thing that we can do as women's ministries is find more opportunities for those connections to happen. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love the intentionality of your questions that you had the ladies talk about, about uh, sharing those stories Mm -hmm. Um, and just right away kind of opening up more authentic, deeper uh, conversation. Yeah, it was really, it was really fun. It was a very fun day. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I think the whole mentor relationship stuff for me has not been as much, I'm going to be your mentor, but more it's happened like, almost more through prayer partners, actually, where somebody has been like, you know, can we just get, do you want to grab coffee and get together and pray? And and I think that that, again, like you talked about earlier, prayer really opens up for those deeper conversations. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I think that there's so much to learn from each other. And I've found that with the older ladies, I might be, they might be going through something that I'll find myself going through later. And then it's an encouragement to see how they handled that. And I think the older ladies can be encouraged by the younger women with some of their energy and excitement as they share what's going on in their lives. I think that there's multiple ways you can be encouraged. And so uh, as an older woman, if, if you're thinking about mentoring to a younger woman, it's not, not all the pressure is not on you to be perfect or to say the exact right thing. It's more, you know, how can I pray for you? And, and sometimes it's sharing God's word and, and it's really just opening yourself up to a relationship. Mm -hmm. The mentoring is to me, like the, the relationships that I've been in that I would consider like a mentor type relationship are really more doing life together. It really, it's really what it is. It's Mm -hmm. like being involved in each other's lives and not, not like being at each other's houses every day, but being involved enough to say, oh, I know this is coming up for you. Let me pray for you. Or, you know, you're approaching this part, this time of this stage of life in your marriage. You might want to start praying about this Mm -hmm. because this is the kind of thing that happens at this age or this stage, or, you know, your kids are approaching the teenage years. Yeah prepare yourself for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I totally appreciate that. Now, like now I find myself, I, I, I'm still having, I'm having a baby still. So I, I still have those young kids, but I have older kids too. So mm-hmm. I think you find yourself in a different place. Um, even if you still are having younger kids, or mm-hmm. you have those older kids and I find myself sharing with the younger women that are having um, little ones because they're like, how, how do you do it? And I'm like, it's just a day at a time and with the Lord. And also like, I'm not perfect. Like, don't see me as superwoman because I have all these kids. Um, but also like, I remember being really hard with just one baby. I felt overwhelmed just with that. So don't, I thought don't the first one was the hardest of all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, 
I my hardest time was when I had three little ones, like baby and two toddlers, and that was just that was harder than than having six kids with a seventh on the way for me right now. <laughs> I mean, every day is different. Some days are easier and some are harder. But and then I love now being able to ask um, moms like you, like like questions about how's it going with teenagers or how did how did you get through this? And um, I just I love being able to have those conversations and, and learning from each other. And I think that whether you're the the one asking the questions or whether you're the one sharing, like I think you both come away um, with the benefit from, with encouragement from that. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to, I think, I mean, when you're living it with all the kids, there's just, just nothing better. It's the best. But when you look back at it with, with different, with perspective, like through the lens of, wow, I lived through that and I survived and my kids are alive and doing pretty well. Then you look back and you can actually like literally see the hand of God working in your life. Cause you don't always see that when you're in the middle of it, right? You you're, mm-hmm. you're too busy doing that day-to-day stuff and trying to do, do some laundry in the middle. And it's hard to see sometimes when you're in the middle yeah. of that, but it's, it's, it's super encouraging. I think to see the hand of God, like the through line of the hand of God as you come out the other end of the parenting, Mm. the parenting stage, it's very fun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's times when you're like, oh my goodness, I hope this kid is going to make it. And then, you know, five years later, you're like, okay, God, God is really good. Yeah. It was not (laughs) me that time. Yeah. (laughs) No, there's so, it's so, it's so hard and you're over, it's overwhelming and it's, it's so messy. Yeah. But it's, it's the biggest blessing I think there is. Mm-hmm. Kids yeah. are the best. Kids are the best. They are the best. Well, thanks for um, being on here with me t- today, okay. Amy. This has been a great conversation. And I just, I guess we have talked a lot about kids. I, but I think that, uh, I think that whether you don't have kids or whatever stage you're at, I think that just that concept of some of these things can still still speak to us as far as to get like being together in life and doing this this messy stuff together these relationships transcend whatever you don't need to have all the things in common um you sometimes you're surprised i think uh one of my best friends is single gal and we just we just talk about our lives and I love hearing about what hers is like and she loves hearing about what mine is like and I think that it's just it's just really cool to see how God forms those relationships with people no matter how much how much or little you have in common God uses them so again thanks so much for being on here Amy this has been a great conversation This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast brought to you by CLB North American Mission. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.